What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Talking Hoops with Rayfield Davis podcast. Where we're talking about Purdue basketball, the now, the future, the history. We'll have current players on, former players, coaches, media surrounding Purdue, trainers, strength coaches, everything Purdue basketball. This is your place for it. We got our world renowned host, Dove Jellison, joining the podcast weekly, keeping us on track. We're going to dive into a lot of Big Ten things, a lot of things outside of the Big Ten, but everything basketball. And before we get going, I want to remind everybody out there that Crew Life Nonprofit Foundation is having a dinner at the Fort Wayne Country Club, August 3rd. You can sign up, get the link on my bio through Twitter. Special guests include Caleb First, Robbie Hummel, Chris Kramer. All proceeds will go to putting kids through basketball camps, basketball leagues, um, paying for AAU programs that kids cannot afford, but it'd be all things basketball. If you want for more information, go to RayfieldDavisBasketball.com. What's up, Dub? How you doing? What's up, man? I appreciate you uh, giving me this opportunity. I'm I'm excited to get started. Nah, I'm excited for you joining us. What you um What you want to talk about this week? What you got going on in your mind? Well, I think f- first we got to start with uh, Caleb first. Join you guys at Crew Life. Um, that was just announced today. I don't know when this is going to be posted, but, um, I mean, what, what does it mean to you to bring Caleb on, um, Fort Wayne guy, and just being able to have him have him there and, and, and being a part of your guys' team now? Oh, it's big time. This is big to me on a lot of different levels, having Caleb be a part of what we're doing through the Purdue Allegiance NIL group, the nonprofit, um, me, myself, having a nonprofit. So, one for myself, Lou Jack, Penny, Josh, to be able to now dive into this NIL space, what we've been doing for a good cause, it just means a lot. It shows that players can start an organization helping younger players, but also ultimately helping college players by, get, by being able to be a charity event that Caleb could choose and work with and also put a few dollars in his pocket at the end of the day. So that's big there, but then also the Fort Wayne connection. Uh, We do a lot of our camps out at OPS on DuPont and Fort Wayne, and Caleb trains out at OPS. So we may have a camp going on, and Caleb, Luke, Fletcher, they may be on the other court working out, and all of the kids know who Caleb is. Obviously, Mr. Basketball from Fort Wayne, no matter what side of town is, you know who the seven – we call him seven foot. The seven footer is I can shoot threes out there. So – the kids know who he is, so now having him a part of it and having him be able to host events on campus for kids, take him on college tours, show him the locker room, show him different things. It just shows you somebody from your, from your town, from your area, they made it to where you want to get to. And not only did they make it to where you want to get to at the highest level, but now they're giving it back and they're pouring back into the youth. So it's just one of those full circle moments for me then also you got to think about just the hometown heroism of it. I know I always put that on tweets and whatnot, but as of right now, Caleb is that guy out of Fort Wayne that's on the college scene. I mean, you got Luke Goody, but he's at Illinois. You got Fletcher, he's a freshman. You got Sidney Curry, who's at Louisville, but Keon Brooks is now at Washington. But you have a guy now that's in-state that's going to come back to the community, every side of the community. We're going to have Caleb come into the inner city and, do a lot of different things with the kids, and I think everybody benefit from it. Yeah, and I mean, this is exactly what the NIL was was made for, so guys could 
get money and, and do these types of things because a few years ago, there's no way in hell that any of this is happening. You know what I mean? So, Facts. I mean, you guys taking advantage of NIL, Purdue, and, and Caleb, I think it's a, it's a win-win-win all the way around. Yeah, and I think it's a, like you just said, all the way around, you got the Purdue aspect of it, you got the throwing aspect of it, you got the Purdue family aspect of it, and it just shows that you keep your nose clean, you're doing the right thing when you're at Purdue, and you have a good cause, people are going to find a way to support you. And I'm looking forward to see how this partnership can grow and how this can affect Caleb, how it can affect his teammates, and how it can affect Fort Wayne. And what type of projects, I know you guys probably don't want to share too much too much already, but um, what types of projects are you guys hoping to kind of do together? Oh, well, you know, I like to share everything, dope. <laughs> Tell it <laughs> off, you let me. <laughs> well, yeah, first things first. I think the first thing we'll do together when we next week, I know, I don't know if you saw, uh, but on Twitter, we, I got a message from a Purdue alum someone whose heart was in the right place. And he messaged me, sent me pictures of his neighbor's basketball hoop and sent me a really long message about how they, they play on that room every day. Um, I mean, he went into details about it. He told me about their family situation, about the mother, about the two brothers and where they're living and whatnot. So I decided to take it to Twitter and galvanize people and get them to donate and we raised a good amount of money to where we can get probably the best portable basketball hoop I've seen. Like, I didn't even know they had – I don't know. I'm not a portable hoop guy, I guess. But we got the biggest backboard you can get for one. I mean, it's sturdy. It doesn't look like the wind is going to blow it over. So, what we're going to do is we're going to get some basketballs with it. Uh, maybe hope, – hopefully we get a couple pair of shoes for the kids. And we're planning on taking it over there next week. But getting Caleb to come from Purdue, come down. Maybe we deliver the room from Dick's or whatever. But – we take them to balls and whatnot. Personally, we deliver that. We're trying to get Anthony Leal from Indiana to come up with us as well. And I think that's something – that would be the start. And then from there, we have our fundraiser dinner on the third, which I mentioned. Getting Caleb to come up to the fundraiser dinner, speak, uh, be a guest, just kind of galvanize the community, galvanize the fans. And then from there, obviously, we do a lot of camps and, and league play and – having them come and work camp, not just, you know, not just coming to be cute, coming to work camp, coming to work league, be a referee or something. But then this fall, in the fall, we're going to take a group of kids from my neighborhood. We're going to bring them up to Purdue. Hopefully we can coordinate it and do it the right way to where we get to see a, it's not season yet. So see an open gym, like a open gym, more of like a training session on a Friday or something. That Saturday we see a real deal college open gym to where we get to go and watch and see how they play at that level. We get to go out and tailgate a little bit. We get to go to the football game. We stay on campus that night. Then that next day, Caleb can take them around the campus and show them the different buildings and the different spots on campus, food places where he likes to hang out, things like that. So I think doing a lot of things of that nature will be big for the kids that I mean, for all kids, honestly, you got kids that play ball every day. They go to the gym. They work out with a trainer. But they don't they, – the parents are telling them they're going to go to college. The trainer's saying you're going to play D1. You may see it on TV, but till you actually go and touch a college campus and see what that looks like up close and you get to experience it and see it, that's when you kind of understand I'm putting in this work for this. And last summer, I can tell you, 
Last summer we did it with six kids. We took them to Purdue. And this is before Jay Nivey took off and became Jay mm-hmm. Nivey. But we had two kids from Fort Wayne. We had um, Shane and Corbin. They knew Jay Nivey was going to be Jay Nivey. I don't know how they knew, but they were like, this is my favorite player now. And this is at the Eric Hunter camp last summer. So they got to take pictures in Jay Nivey's chair, sit in his chair. They got to sit in Zach's chair, play with Zach, play with like show, not play with them, but show how big the shoes was, see how big they were and whatnot. So they got to see that. They got to go take pictures by the championship rings up in Mackey and the trophies. And this year, I've seen a difference in their work ethic because now I can look at them and say, all right, that's just not going to fly at Purdue. Now they've seen what that weight room looks like. They've seen not the basketball team, but they've seen another sport working out in the weight room, how hard they were going. So I always feel like you don't know what you don't know. And once you see it, you know what you're going for. So I think a lot of initiatives of that, of that nature and just putting basket, putting money in the youth basketball is a big thing for me, especially for kids that, not a can't afford AAU, but can't just afford to go play in a league, mm-hmm. but also creating leagues. And in my neighborhood, a lot of the leagues have left the YMCA's, the church leagues. So recreating those will be a big one too for us. Mm-hmm. And I mean, how much does it mean to those kids? Um, I don't know how how much uh, experience you had with you going up with this, but I mean, having a guy like yourself or or Kale first, or Luke Goody, or Sidney Curry, come back and spend just spend time with them. And you see these guys because even when you're little, I mean, you look to the you look up to those guys that are in high school. Yep. You look up to those basketball players. You're like, I want to be like him. And then you get older, and you you look at the college guys, and you idolize them. And then you look at the NBA guys. I mean, how much does it mean to them? And did you have any experiences like that when you were growing up of of guys coming back and and spending time in the city? Oh, yeah, man. We For me, when I was growing up, you had the, the Walter Jordan summer camp in the summer league, which is a basketball league. We used to go play on the Concordia Seminary. I still remember the blue uniforms. And Walter Jordan is not to aging, but he's a little older than me. Mm-hmm. But knowing that there was a guy from our neighborhood, he was our AAU coach's brother. And all we knew was that our AAU coach's brother played in the NBA, played at Purdue, one of the best players out. So we didn't even necessarily know who he was to watch him play in high school, but knowing about him, him coming back in the summer was everything. We got to go who we got to feel like we were going to an NBA player summer league. You got the Rod Wilson football camp that it would happen. Rod Wilson and Jason Fabini, they would come back to Fort Wayne every summer. And that was always big time to me, just being able to be around those guys. I went to the same high school as Bernard Pollard. And you'd be at lunch, and somebody come through, Bernard truck is outside. And the next thing you know, you see Bernard Pollard walking down the hallway with, with Mr. Nolan. And this at the time where Bernard Pollard was NFL Super Bowl champion, injured Tom Brady. Like this is, <laughs> he was in his heyday at that time. So he was like a, a superstar to us. And then you see the kids, how they react to when Jalen Smith will come back, who's in the NFL, or more recently a Jesse Bates, who's with the Bengals. They really, or Chris Mack, they really, really, that means a lot to them. So now, and that's always happened on the football side, in a sense. But now on the basketball side, on the basketball side, I was able to help work with Deshaun Thomas and get him to come back to Fort Wayne, do a summer league, ran that. 
and the kids look forward to it. And they, that where'd the sign at? It's like, come on, man, I'll play that Purdue. I, I'm decent. But it's like, where, where'd the sign at? So it's like, they want that. They want to have a hero. You want to have a superstar. You want to have somebody to look to for a couple of different reasons. One, because they're from where you're from. They made it to where you want to get to. But then two, in the neighborhood, some neighborhoods, you start to idolize the wrong people to have things. But when you see Deshaun pull up and he has a brand new truck, he has on a Louis pouch, Louis Vuitton pouch, he is dressed fly, nice shoes. But you know he played basketball to get what he got. You can see it's attainable. But if you just hear these stories about these guys, oh, such and such went off and played, such and such went off and played, that doesn't really mean much to you. You look, you look for what you can see. And then also I think it's just the big thing for the people in general to understand that you were once a hero in this neighborhood, but you still are a hero here. And you get guys that are from Fort Wayne that go off and things may not go the right way or go how they wanted it to. And just to let them know that you can always come here and affect the youth and push it forward. And that's something that I give you a ton of credit for. I mean, whether it's your camps or even on social media or wherever, you're always talking about because not everyone's going to go play college college basketball, college football, whatever the case may be. I mean, right. they need to aspire to be doctors and lawyers and, and all these different things. And I think you put such an emphasis on that, especially when I've seen you at the camps. I mean, um, yeah, I tell you, like, I I was in pharmaceutical sales the, mm-hmm. for four and a half, four years. I didn't know what pharmaceutical sales was until I was in college, maybe my senior year. And that was second semester, senior year. So I, Mr. Steve Cohen came to sit down with me. He's a director at Lilly. He told me what it was. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. You know what I mean? But I always knew what a drug dealer was on the street. I knew what a street pharmacist was. But I never really understood that you can go and make a decent amount of change and have a nice job and sell drugs to doctors. Like, it's certain things that mm-hmm. you don't know, you just don't know. But then also... A lot of kids get tricked. Two things. A lot of kids get tricked into just being a player and just going out there and just hooping. And you only can hoop for so long. But you can coach until you're 80. You can be the athletic director until you're 80. You could be a trainer. You can be a film director. You can win a, a – Drew Anthrop has an NBA ring. Like, I almost think about that like a couple times a week. I mean – you get, you get an NBA championship ring. You can do a lot of different things in basketball, but I don't think a lot of people are just – their mind is – I didn't know. I mean, I watched Tim Legler on NBA. I don't know if you remember NBA Tonight. He's come on real mm-hmm. late, and, like, I see him doing a job. But 20 years later, I don't think that could be me on TV until I get introduced to it because now when I go home, kids don't see me as the, oh, he played at Purdue. That's the guy that's on the Big Ten Network. So now they, if I can talk basketball on TV, they know they can talk basketball on TV because we talk it together. So it's just a thing about opening their mind to more and not just be stuck, being stuck being a player because like Coach Paint used to tell us, when you're 35, nobody's going to care about your field goal percentage from college. You know what I mean? How are you going to be functional? And if you spend your whole life in basketball, so many guys, so many guys go through college, maybe graduate, maybe don't. But once that ball stops dribbling, it's hard times. But what if you could stay in hoop? I don't think a lot of those guys are running to those hard times. So 
it's just a, that that helps a lot being able to open the eyes to more but even if you don't want to be a basketball player be in basketball you can use basketball use a sport get to college be a doctor be a lawyer it's just you don't have to be my biggest stress to the kids that I work with a lot a lot of them, not all of them is it's not all or nothing I think some kids grow up and they they only get to see no I don't know if I even want to take this spin but they even want they even get to see a family that's not doing the best, a family that's living maybe in poverty or maybe check to check, or they get to see the guys that's making a lot of money or the women that's making a lot of money and they don't know how they're making it. Rarely do they get to see, or maybe they get to see it, but they don't know that that person's doing it. But rarely do you get to see a family that's making 100000 90000 taking a vacation, they're living a middle-class life. And I think that's something that, you can introduce the kids. You get a mom and a dad. They both make eighty thousand to one hundred sixty thousand. You're you're fine. You know what I mean. So, I think bringing that aspect to the kids in my neighborhood, they've been able to see it and they've um they understand it now. Do you? I think that's probably why you lean into the whole hometown hero thing. Because I swear to I swear every day it's you're quoting something that says hometown hero. Oh um, yeah. Whenever any of them have something going on, you're always you're always setting them up. Yeah, you got to. You gotta you gotta take care of the home team. And I feel like I feel like people should know that you one, you mean something, but then two people see you and then I support any I support everything that comes from the city. Especially things that are being done the right way. I want as many eyes on it. I want people to see it and I just wanna support it and be a part of it. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and I mean, kind of go, I know we kind of <clears throat> asked you a question and got you off track there, but I mean, not, not all those kids that come to your, your guys' camps, not all of them are going to even play high school basketball. Thanks. So you got, I mean, you got to teach them those life skills now, Thanks. give them that, give them that opportunity, that, that outlook. Cause like you mentioned, um, you knew what a street pharmacist was when you were growing up but you didn't know what pharmaceutical sales was until you got to Purdue. Right. I mean, you're, you're a product of your environment. So either, I mean, unfortunately more times than not, if you have a, a, a poor environment around you, um, not the best influences, you're going to go down that road, you know? No, 100%. And I think um, coming to basketball camp, being a part of a team, being a part of something, it just gives you structure. It just gives, like, even if you're not going to be a basketball player, you're going to touch this line when we run the sprint. And if you don't, you're going to run double. And as they think it may be punishment, but if you can't touch this line on a sprint, Coach, I mean, how are you going to get to work on time every day? How are you going to have the discipline to save your money to take care of your family? So everything we preach is all discipline all the time. We try to do a lot of things that are fun, but we understand that we're not doing nothing fun until we're doing what we got to do at a high level. And I think for the kids that, Maybe maybe don't go to college. It's just a lot of life skills that you can learn from it. Even the kids that, like, I'll tell you a story. And I know I didn't got all off track today, but I'll tell you a story. We had a kid at our summer league. I guess this is what this podcast will be like. We had a kid at our summer league just get out of juvie. He's 11. Mom and dad both locked up for life. So with him, this basketball stuff go out the window. If he goes to college and becomes a functional citizen, 
<clears throat> don't care about basketball. We won. He won. He did his job. You know what I mean? So as many kids that we can just send to sc- get persuade to trade school, um, college, whatever, be functional adults. If you could teach, I don't care what community you're from. If you can get 10 to 15 boys or girls and teach them how to go off and ultimately 10 years in their five years in their career, they make six figures. I value that more than having every few years, one guy maybe get drafted, maybe last, maybe don't every six, seven years. You know what I mean? So I think youth sports used to be about that. It used to be about building kids up and, you use this sport to be able to be an adult. And I think that's where it's got to get back to. Yeah. And I mean, when I was growing up, I always thought like my dream was to go, go play basketball for Purdue, go, go play for the Pacers, whatever, get drafted by the Yankees. There was no way in hell that that was ever going to happen. Looking back on it, I was, I wasn't that good. Um, But like, that's, that's the dream. And I mean, I feel like that's what all kids think that they're going to do. But the right. sooner you realize, like, I mean, you can work hard and you can try, but if yeah. if you don't if you don't make it, then you gotta figure something out. Right, and it's uh, you got you give it your all and you do what you want to you do what you gotta do to try and make it and get to where you want to get to. But at the end of the day, I mean, my mom would say it, paint would say it, the ball stopped bouncing one day, and if you don't understand that and it starts bouncing. I've seen a lot of guys sleep, just be depressed for years at a time, and it's not—it's not a way that you want to go. And if you can have, if you can learn early, learn at a young age, understand it, it just better suits you for life. And then you get guys that go off to school. And when I finished playing at Purdue, I was a rare, rare few that I could decide to go hoop or I could decide to get a job. It really wasn't a – I didn't have to go overseas and go play. You know what I mean? I had a daughter at the time. My back – I had ruptured a disc in my back. I had the opportunity where I understood how to not allow – how to make it a mutual relationship with Purdue. They get what they get out of me, and I get what I need to get out of them, and I still work for Purdue to this day. So I think a lot of kids – and that's about mentorship, guidance. My mother and father played no games. Paint, I listened to – if you talk to me, if you hear me at camp, you just basically hear Purdue practice. Like, I'm not recreating this wheel. So, I listen to my mentors, and I listen to – I mean, Paint's one of the best coaches in America at this point. When I committed to him, he was four years in, I think. But listening to those words over the last 10 years, listening to my parents – I mean, I've been I committed to Purdue 15 years ago, actually. No, 13. Damn. But old, I just think the, I think the guidance is there, and I think we just need to feed it back into the kids. That's all. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, that's the name of the game. That's what you're doing. You, Lou, Jack, and Penny, um, working those camps and helping out the kids. I mean, that's all you guys are doing right now, you know, so. No, facts. Don't slight yourself, man. You was at camp. Yeah, I was just, I was I was hanging out. <laughs> oh man, how you feel about how you feel about this season coming up? We are gonna get a, give 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 people a little bit to listen to. That's true. Yeah, um, 
it could it could be one of those nineteen twenty years, you know, where I mean you got some pieces, but things just might not gel. You don't have that go to guard with Ivy leaving. Um, I mean, Purdue lost a ton, a ton, a ton of experience, talent, and and leadership, in my opinion, because you're you're losing Sasha. You're losing your probably your best defender in Eric, your best scorer in um, in Jaden, and then maybe your best all around player in Travion, because he could do a little bit of everything. Um, I mean, obviously you got you got Edie and Gillis and first um, coming in, but I don't. It's it's going to be one of those tricky years where you could either make that that seven, eight, nine seed range in the NCAA's, or you could miss the tournament. What do you think? No, nah, I feel that. I feel that. I think. Hmm, what do I think? I look. I look. See, for me, when I look about this season for Purdue, I get exactly what you're saying. That's why I look around the league first. So when I look around the league, like if this was last season with this team, because there's so many question marks, you just don't know how it plays out in such a tough Big Ten. Last year's Big Ten was. It was a gauntlet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this year's Big Ten, but it could surprise me. I don't know if it has the individual talent as last year's or just the depth from top to bottom. Like, Nebraska beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. I don't care that Johnny Davis didn't play. Bryce McGowan didn't play either. But to win at Wisconsin on the road last game of the year, that's just not an easy feat to do. That's not something that happens. So, Top to bottom, the league is tough. You see Maryland last year almost beat Purdue at home. You see Penn State um, get to the semifinals in the Big Ten tournament. This year's Big Ten, I think it's anybody's for the taking. So I think that's where Purdue has a a big chance because I don't think there's a a clear one, two, three. I don't know if there's a clear four, top four. I I, I could – because what you're saying, I could see Purdue – because, I mean, you look at it on paper. You got, you got talent. You got size. It's just all about piecing it together. Who's going to be the go-to guy? Everybody knowing the role. Somebody's going to have to step up and be the go-to guy because you don't have a like. If you think back to the nineteen season, you had kind of, and no disrespect to them, Grady and Klein, those are my guys, but they were backups the year before. So the backups stepped into the senior role. But you had Carson, who knew his job was to put the ball in the basket, both teams. This year, similar to where you have the reserves stepping up into starter roles, but then again, you're relying on another reserve from last season or previous season to score the ball at a high level. Not just Zach E's not reserved, he's going to score the ball, but you're going to need a perimeter score. Like We see year in and year out, guards win in March. So I think Brandon, I think seeing Brandon this summer, Brandon's working a lot with Lou Jack. So I think that's uh, – I mean, that, even that. Like, that's what college basketball should be like. I mean, like, you got Lou just walking into Mackey working with Brandon, and that's just how it should be. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. But anyway, I think, <laughs> I think Ethan can play some point. Mm. I, think, I think what his biggest question is, can they guard the point? And I know Purdue likes to jam and press full court with the point guard. So we'll see how that happens. Um, shooting may be a question a little bit. I know you got guys that can make shots, but it's just going to – all of those slashes and whatnot of coming off triple screens, 
Fletcher ready to step into that role? Is Brandon going to be good off of screen work? I could see Mason playing some three and some four this season, which, I mean, which will make them huge if you think about the lineup. But it's a lot of question marks. But I think this Purdue team could be better than last year's Purdue team in regards of how this team plays with each other. Because this team, they're going to have to lock up. Like, you're going to have to play D. Like, a low paint. <laughs> like, there's not an individual player on this team that can decide, oh, I'm just not playing defense. But they're still going to be able to play. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, everybody's going to have to lock up. You have guys that have set – like, Brandon's going to do whatever he could do to not be in the position he was in last year, which is great. You see Trey Kaufman ran, which I think he could be a pro. I mean, you get him, you get Caleb at the five, which is more Caleb's natural position. I mean, you can put Mason at the three, and this is taking out the All-American Zach Eaton. So mm-hmm. I think the different lineups they can play, they can play fast, they can play slow. I think last year it was more of half court, more of methodical, more of Biggie, I mean, A.J. Isaac type of style, where yeah. it slowed a little bit. They, they ran in spurts, but you had games – at Michigan State, you get beat 29 to 2, I think, in fast break points, which is it's crazy. But I think with this team, rather Zach's in the game or Zach's out of the game, I think they're going to be solid defensively, too, because Caleb at the five, if he plays some five, he'd probably be the fastest five in the league, being able to get back mm-hmm. on defense, set the defense, and him being able to shoot the three, TKR being able to shoot the three, Mason Gillis being able to shoot the three. I like it. It just depends on at the, the entire league. Yeah, I mean, like you like you said about that 2019 2020 team, especially the team that went to the Elite Eight. I mean, the year before you lose Vince, Isaac, PJ, Dakota, there might be another one in there. Um, no disrespect to them. I just can't remember them right now. Shaquille. Shaquille, yeah. And then, I mean, you could argue that's that's one of Paint's best jobs, that that year with Carson, because, I mean, obviously you did have Carson, but I don't think anyone expected Grady to be that good in his role. Man, Grady was the – I remember they told me Grady was the most efficient player in college basketball, and I was like, I didn't believe it. And Grady's my (laughs) guy. When I say Grady's my guy, like, Grady's freshman year, you didn't see Grady – like, I was taking Grady to the barbershop with me. (laughs) He was getting parts, lineups. (laughs) So, like – Seeing him from his freshman year, man, his very first day on campus, we played one-on-one. Great. And this is after I won Defensive Player of the Year. We played one-on-one freshman, Grady's freshman year, it's the summertime. His first day on campus. He beats me the first game because I'm, like, just, like, letting him shoot or whatnot. He looks at P.J. He looks at P.J. And he's a walk-on at this time. Mm-hmm. He goes, the Defensive Player of the Year? I think I could probably play here. <laughs> <laughs> And then we played for, like, 30 minutes again, like five, six more games. I don't think he got a shot off. <laughs> so, not only did he – he didn't score. I don't think he, the ball went above his shoulders to shoot. So, we got to broke him in early. But after that, that whole first year, he was, like – it seemed like Grady was – it seemed like he was all-time defense. Had to guard Biggie, AJ, and Isaac. Like, just half the practice had to play defense. So, I think – that year really helped him. That next year obviously helped him. Then having to tr- – Biggie went to the five more. Now he's guarding Vince in practice a little bit more. 
So I think from from the start to finish, Grady did nothing but guard pros, whether it be on the wing or be in the post. So he knew how to defend at a high level. Then he was just tough as nail. Like he was just like, like Grady gonna leave practice with like a bruise somewhere. Like he's a guy that's just tough. So he don't really care. And then Grady doesn't do any, he's one of the smartest players in the sense of, he's not gonna do nothing stupid. He's not gonna turn the ball over. He's not, he's gonna shoot it when he's open. He's not gonna, he's not gonna drive when it's not there like many times. He's gonna make the right play. And then he just follows direction. And he works on his game. I mean, let it, even though walk on or not, if Dakota was in the gym, Grady was in the gym. I was in the gym, Grady was in the gym. PJ there, Grady's there. So he really worked his way into that position, and he always knew he could do it. I think that's a big thing about him, too. He, Like I said, that very first day, he felt like he should be a scholarship player starting. So it's like you didn't know he was going to be there, but you knew he had the capabilities. And I knew something was up that season because I don't know if you remember, but they started the season off terrible. They started off the yeah. year, I think they were like six and five or five and six or something like that. Mm-hmm. And everybody wanted paint to bench Grady. Like bench the walk on. That makes the most sense. And paint, like, yeah, I mean, I ain't talked to him about it, but I could tell by the how he acted. He was like, Man, screw that. I'm I'm gonna go with him. Mm-hmm. And then he becomes the most efficient player in college basketball. He's that common force in the locker room. He's that guy that can hang out in all different crowds within the locker room. So I think each team needs a guy like that. And I think this year you see a guy like Ethan where he's going to lock up. He can make shots, not scared in the moment. He's a big guard. He can rebound. I think his key, his, his value to this team is going to be big. I think obviously Zach being able to play through double teams, play more minutes, be efficient, not getting foul trouble is going to be big. But then I think the wing play around the league is the is going to be the position. So you got Chris Murray at Iowa and, and, and Patrick McCaffrey at Iowa. You got Michigan in their wings, Michigan State. You got Ohio State. It's just a lot of question marks around the conference. But mm-hmm. I think the toughness of this Purdue team and the way Paint will be able to con- – He's not a controlling dude, but the way he'll be able to control this team, I think it'll be one of his better teams. Yeah, and I, I mean, like you mentioned earlier, you can make a bunch of different lineups because you yeah. could have Edie. I think Berg might get a red shirt. I don't know. It depends on what they want to do with Caleb. Put him at the yep. in the second rotation with the at the five. Um, but I mean, you could start Caleb, have an all shooters lineup. Which, yeah. I mean, we haven't – Purdue hasn't had that in – I mean, you could argue you could argue harms, but then they had no gel, and no gel couldn't shoot the three. No, you haven't had a team that – you look at one through five that can shoot it? That can, like, act – like, not not AJ, his senior year, where he's – how many threes yeah. did he make? Like, ten? Probably. Maybe not even he, that many. He but like shoot the three so bad. <laughs> But no, you think about the. Yeah, the clip, you, it, you go back to you would have to go back, even though JJ wasn't shooting. JJ wasn't shooting threes, but JJ was shooting long jump shots, and the floor was spaced. And that's kind of what I see that second lineup this year. Mm-hmm. The second lineup this year, I think, will be more similar 
to those lineups then with JJ and Rob and Rhino and Lou and Smooge. Like, I think, and that's where I say Purdue could be better yeah. because I think Paint's best teams are those teams where the four man is really making some decisions because normally, I mean, you look at Payne, you look at kind of Robbie and this, how the point four position kind of, I mean, I know you got Scotty Pippen in the nineties, but kind of how it morphed in the big 10. Mm-hmm. It used to be those guys just couldn't stay in front of Robbie. They couldn't stay in front of Vince. And I think now you got TKR or you got Mason and you got Caleb that can shoot the three, stretching them out. I, I like what this team could do offensively. And I just like that. They're going to have to play defense. It's not going to be a situation where such and such is being let out. Just get them out the game. So this could be a team where they do it by committee. Nobody has to average more than 13, 14 points, and they can make a run. So I could, oh, I, I could really see Brandon. I could really – Brandon is a bucket, man. I could see Brandon getting up to 16, 17 points a game. He, I think he's going to be the key. If he can be a guy that – similar to the Carson year or, or last year with Ivy, if Paint can give him the ball and say, all right, we need a bucket right now down the stretch, because those, those games are going to happen, especially on the Big Ten. Late in the year, you're fighting for position. You're going to need someone to step up, get a bucket, and it's going to have to be a guard or, or one of the wings. And I think, I think Brandon's going to have to be that guy. If he's, not, that. if he's not, I think Purdue might be in some trouble because I don't know. I mean, you look at David Jenkins Jr., um, the Utah transfer. He's he. I think he's more of a shooter than creating for himself, going to get in bucket. But um, you have a bunch of guys that are unproven right now. Right. Uh, coming yep. in with, I mean, Fletcher is going to be that Klein type role shooter. Um, Braden Smith. I don't think anybody knows what what to expect from him. He's going to be like a high energy guy, but offensively, I don't I don't know what to expect from him. Um, Trey Kaufman Wren, I think he could be a dart. He could be a guy that is the second or third option uh, behind Edie. So I mean, and then you, there's Waddell too, who's got an absolute yep. clip. Yep. So there, I mean, tons of potential, but it's just like you said, those question marks. Uh, super, it's a lot of question marks, and that's why when your team has a lot of question marks. I think you would want the league to have question marks. And I don't know. I know everybody's going to have Indiana as the favorite, but even they have a question mark. Like, who's going to shoot the ball for them? So, you go top to bottom, I don't think there's a team that either doesn't have a question mark or doesn't have just nine Big Ten experienced guys. Even Illinois, they got experienced guys. They got guys that transferred in. But even Jenkins at Purdue, transferring with who the Big Ten is different. I mean – it works out for some people right away, but it takes it takes an adjustment period. You see John Octius adjust. I had to see Johnny Hill adjust to it because this I mean the schedule is different, the travel is different, the coaches are different, the physicality of the Big Ten is not matched across the country. This is a this is a league where you just run and jump. This is a league that is built to beat up on each other, and if you can't. That's why sometimes the Big Ten struggles in the tournament. I think me, my philosophy is so recruited to the Big Ten that even to make the tournament, you have to be able to compete in the Big Ten. Mm. So when you get there, you may run into a team that's just all run and jump, and then they run you out the gym. Or a team that has bigs but not pounding inside bigs, athletic bigs that 
Kofi or Zach or Travion may struggle against. So I think the Big Ten is – you see a Michigan, the way they're doing things, Michigan State, I think it's changing. But I think transfers coming into the Big Ten is tough for them at the start. So it's question marks there around the league. I mean, it's question – it's just – It's going to be I a weird-ass year. It's going to be – I think it's going to be a year where you could get four teams in or you get like eight. Like it's one or the other. I think so it'll I be four. I think yeah, be, I don't, yeah. As opposed think, to four. Four would I mean, be a really bad year. <laughs> no, four would be awful. bad. But I think I think if the league if the league takes care of it, the league takes care of itself, I think it'll be okay. I, I think this is one of the years where you'll have a random team go deep into the tournament just because of how much you're gonna have to grow throughout this season. Guys are gonna rather across the big ten. You're gonna have a few guys in the same role they were in last year. So when you have to grow during a season and be adjust to different things, it just makes your team better. Yeah, you look at the teams that were at the top last year. Wisconsin's losing. Is Brad Davidson coming back, or is he done? Uh, he, shit, I hope he done. He done. I think he's like six. He did six. He done. Okay, I th- for some reason I thought him or Bohannon was coming back. Mm. But I mean, regardless, they lost Johnny Davis. They're gonna have to have someone else step up. They do have Chucky Hepburn though. I think is stepping into that role. Um, and they were so good last year. Illinois, I mean, they have a bunch of, like, highly rated recruits and transfers coming in. It's just about making them fit. And right. I think I, – I don't like Underwood all that much, but I think he's a really good coach. I think he'll yeah. get on. Um, Michigan's losing four starters. Man. But, they're, but they're bringing back Hunter Dickinson. Um, I But – Stuff as it is to say, I think IU probably is in the driver's seat right now. Yeah, and it's race, and it's just simply because they bring back the team and one, but then two, they just the defense that they had. Mm-hmm. It just was when they when they decided to lock up, they they could get into you, and when Xavier Johnson clicked that switch towards the end of the season, and then when Trace Jackson Davis clicked it in the tournament. If they can be on the same page all year long, they don't need a shooter. Because with those two guys, that'll be the coming into the year, that'll be the best point guard, big man combination. Mm-hmm. But it'll just be about keeping Xavier Johnson not necessarily under control, but keep guiding them the way that he was going into the year and keep TJD interested and motivated. And then you got Race Thompson, could be better, one of the better two way players in the league. If Miller Cop can just make some shots, and they got five-star freshmen coming in. I like what Woody's doing. Woody's doing a good job, man. They, they, they deserve the preseason favorite. Mm. But it'll just be about, one, can they live to it? And then, two, just got to make shots in the Big Ten. You just, you just go, and then Trace Jackson Davis going to prove he can have to shoot it a little bit. Our team's just going to keep backing up on them. But the way they finished the year, take out the – Take out the last game. <laughs> the way they were able to get there, yeah, it was impressive. And then even the Iowa, I think they – Chris Murray, I think he could be a player of the year candidate. I'm not saying he could, he's going to be as good as his brother or better, but I think he could be up there with the best of them in the league. It's just going to be – it should be an interesting year. I think um, I think this year is going to be the, coach, the best coach will win the league this year. I think it's more dependent on coaches than it is players this year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know 
what all the transfer situations are with teams like Rutgers or Minnesota, Penn State. Um, but my first, my first um, opinion on them, I guess, is I don't know how much they're going to change. I think Rutgers might yeah. drop down a little bit because I think they're losing Geo and uh, Ron Harper Jr. Yeah. But they still have McConnell, right? Yeah, McConnell came back. They have um, Paul. Paul Mulcahy, which had mm-hmm. Paul had one of the better stretches in the league last year. I was a Paul Mulcahy fan <laughs> at one point. Yeah, I was the biggest fan. And then um, Clifford Mori, he'd be probably the best big, the best NBA big prospect in the league with his athleticism and his length and his ability to, to protect the basket. So they have a good core with those three, mm-hmm. like as far as leadership, knowing what to do, poise, experience. They have a Really good core. It's be out feeling who can score, who's gonna be the like. Paul showed he can score. He averaged seventeen for about eight games straight. But when he doesn't score, he struggles, and they struggle. So having a guy that can be that consistent scorer on that team will be big. You look up to you look up to um, Minnesota and Jamison Battle. He's gonna have a potential to be All Big Ten. But second year under Coach Johnson, feeling no more pain. Willis, he's out. He was one of the. He was probably the best point guard in the league last year. If you just look at just not record, but kind of what he was doing on the court, mm-hmm. you just don't know. There, Shrewsbury at Penn State replacing John Harris, big, but you still have Pickett. You got Lundy. That could be the best wing duo in a conference. It just across the conference, you got pockets where oh, they could be really good. You see, coach with coaches building, coach Stallings building out, and uh, not coach Stallings, but coaches building out, and um, and Maryland kind of getting new guys in there. That'd be more of a rebuild, I feel like, but you just never know in this league. And all the teams now, you got to have a good year because in that next year, you got UCLA, USC coming in. The Big Ten is just not a slouch, man. It's going to be good for years to come. What I mean, what do you? What's your opinion on that? Kind of bringing in those two teams. Um, as a guy that's grew up in Big Ten country my whole life, it is it is weird for me. I always I'm always gonna think of USC and UCLA or as the Pac-12 royalty, and now they're leaving. They're coming to the Big Ten. Um, how do you think that's gonna impact some of the teams, and how do you think they're gonna have to um, adapt to how the Big Ten plays compared to the Pac-12? I think the biggest thing is gonna be travel, getting two games, flying across the country because. You got to – you would hate to have – you USC or UCLA to have two road games. I guess you go to Rutgers, I guess, and go back home and go to Minnesota or something like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to do their travel schedule, but that's going to be tough among – for everybody in the league. But I don't think it changes much hoop-wise. I kind of – because I look back to Maryland and Rutgers joined the conference my junior year, and it didn't really – it didn't really shake up much because at the end of the day, you just hooping. And I don't know if Maryland changed anything. They were in the ACC at the time. I don't know if they changed anything when they knew they were coming to the Big Ten. I don't know if records weren't just that good at that time anyway. But Maryland, Maryland came into the league, and I think was finished second their first year in the league. Mm-hmm. So I think competition-wise, it's going to be up there. But I don't know if UCLA or USC changes their recruiting style to fit the Big Ten or as much as they make the Big Ten try and fit them. Especially they come in and they prove they win some games. I think the Big Ten is going to be playing catch-up to them rather than they're playing catch-up to the Big Ten. But I, um, 
I'm all for it, honestly. I mean, because I get what you're saying about being all Big Ten, but when those teams came in my my um, junior year, it was kind of like you were a fan of those dudes, but now you're in your conference. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like I've been through that shakeup kind of, and now I think it's just better for the players. You want to play the best teams. I think now you're going to get more NBA talent coming through the Big Ten, rather even if it's over there at those schools or – now it makes more sense for NBA players to go to Iowa because you got Keegan Murray. Now you can be playing at UCLA. You're going to have all these opportunities. So I think it does nothing but help the league, help the players, help the potential of the league to bring even more teams in. But I always – I still think of Maryland as like ACC. So I always think of those two as Pac-12. You know what I mean? But they're just playing within the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And I think with all the talk of the super conferences in football, it's going to impact college basketball. So, you, we, I mean, you could see Notre Dame join the Big Ten. You could see someone from the ACC join the Big Ten. And then it's a whole mess because I don't – you're not going to be able to play those those two games anymore if you, yep. if you have a 20-team conference. Yep, yep. So, no, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see what they do. I just hope – I just hope I'm around next year to it. I might be able to go to the game at UCLA. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they put, the, they put the Big Ten tournament out there one year or something. You know what I mean? Let everybody have let everybody have some fun with it. But yeah. no, I'm uh, I'm excited for that. That'll be a real cool change. I, I'm a, I'm one that I'm a guy I like change. I'll shake it up for me. I like it. Yeah. I hate it. I can't <laughs> I can't stand it. <laughs> I saw I got that notification. I was like, "Oh no, we're dead." But uh, yeah, I still don't like Nebraska in the Big Ten, and they joined before. Rutgers. Yeah, they joined like the year before I came to college. So. I can I can I can deal with Maryland. I cannot. I don't know why I cannot stand Rutgers in Nebraska. I think they have no no place in the Big Ten. Rutgers is see. I haven't paid attention to the football side of it at first. I mean, like, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I believe we beat we, we, my senior year. We beat Rutgers by 50, and we out rebounded them by 50. Like, I know the out rebounding stat for a fact because Pico Pico wasn't even a coach for that team, and he mm-hmm. came up to me this season and said, "Your last year at Purdue, y'all out rebounded us by 50." And then I went back and looked, and I was like, "God damn!" So at that time. I get exactly what you're saying. I don't, they didn't really fit the mold of a Big Ten team. I mean, you get out rebounded by fifth, but that that next year they beat Wisconsin, which was crazy. But anyway, anyway. But now I think their fan base is turning into more of a college because with those, especially with Rutgers, it's such in a city that you gotta really care on your Saturday morning to go to a Rutgers game. Like, you know what I mean? You got New York, you got Jersey, so much things to do. I think now what they've been able to do with the rack, like going to a game at the rack when it's live and it's loud, I think that's what kind of is kind of making them fit a little bit more in the Big Ten. With Nebraska, love coach. He cared a lot. I just think they um, their fans care. I just think with them this year, I just don't think their players cared that much. And it was more of – and they had like a TikTok team to where they like an Instagram team. Like they all was verified. They all had like thousands of followers, but they didn't match up on the court. And I was at Coach Horberg. I was at some of those walkthroughs or whatever. And his intensity and his passion, he cared. So it's like 
you see those situations where, okay, the coach may give in, throw the towel in. That wasn't Nebraska. I just don't know if the players really. And this is a league where you can have two weeks of not caring, and now you last place in the Big Ten. And that was us at Purdue. You don't, like, paint, paint coached us that year. We just, I ain't going to say we, I cared. But it's a collective. We just didn't care as a whole enough to win games. And I think that's what happened there. But I, I uh, long story short, I, I'm all for as many teams being in the league as possible. Let's just um, make it the most competitive conference in the country so there's no question on what's the best league. Because that's my thing. I don't like when you have to have that debate on why the Big Ten is the best conference in the country. And I think um, adding those two schools helps it. But I think the more you add, it solidifies it. Well, I mean, as if the Big Ten gets bigger success in the NCAA term, I don't think there's there's no question that they're the they're the best conference in the country. But in the last couple of years, it just hasn't been bad. Whether it be bad draws or or Cinderella teams, um, like with Loyola beating Illinois and St. Peter's beating Purdue and and what have you. But um, I don't know. I think I think you might be right that this could be a year where three teams make the elite eight, something crazy that yep. nobody would ever, ever see. Facts. No, I think um, I'm trying to think of the year it was, but like you have a team where it's really good. Like Wisconsin was that year. They're really good. But then you had a Michigan state squeeze into the final four with them. Mm-hmm. And that was my junior year. So I think this was a, this is that type of year where you have a lot of teams doing it by committee deep rosters, everybody getting in touch. And I think that's the point of – I think that's where the league – I think that's where everybody wants the league to be right now. I think everybody's tired of the overhyped conference not doing well in the tournament. I think this year is going to be more of a grinded-out style league. So, it will be good for everybody. Mm-hmm. And that that Michigan State team, didn't they have – it was Denzel Valentine. Maybe he was gone, but was Travis Trice was there. They were yep, seven Denzel- Denzel Valentine, Travis Trice, Brandon Dawson, Matt Costello, Brent Forbes. They were a seven seed with that team. And that was, that was a very talented team. Yep, they were a seven – and they finished – so, look, think about it like this. They were a seven seed, and I think they finished – well, I know they finished top four in the Big Ten. Mm. So, it's like, I think this will be that – like, we were – we finished third in the league, and we were a nine seed. So, I think that's – I think this is that type of year. And I think this is where – you get those low seeds, but you win games. And that, this is where you remind everybody, like, like you did then, that you get two teams in the Final Four. Wisconsin was really good all year, but I think this is that year. I think that's the year Wisconsin maybe or may not have lost to Rutgers. Because I know Frank was there. Yeah, because I don't think Frank played. They still lost that Rutgers. But Tough, especially back then. <laughs> <laughs> so Man, I think I remember that. Weren't they number one in the country? They was high. They were like top five. I think that was the I same year. I like Iowa that. lost their um, Iowa lost to the, the the Division two school in their exhibition game. I think that was that same year. But yeah, it's years like that where like crazy things happen and teams end up getting deep into the tournament. I know. I know Michigan losing four starters, like I said, but I think their team that Jawan the way he recruits or whatever. I don't know if it's like specifically for the big 10. He might be happy with finishing six in the big 10 and going to sweet 16 every year. Haven't they been to sweet yeah. 16 like four years in a row or something like that? And I say the same thing. Yeah, exactly. I think the, um, 
like you see Michigan struggle all year in the Big Ten, not really be the physicality of it. They had, they had some COVID break or whatever. Hunter missed the game or whatever. But then they get into the tournament and they just got dudes like a hoop. Like Frankie Collins, go give me a bucket. Keep me in the game. My backup point guard who struggled with the physicality of the Big Ten, he was small. But when he got to the tournament, fair game. Mm-hmm. But they lost him at the transfer portal. But having guys recruiting to hoop, <laughs> recruiting to guard play, I think that's what um, ended up getting Michigan to a Sweet 16. Because they got there, it wasn't a struggle. It wasn't mm-hmm. as if they shouldn't have been there. It looked good. They looked like they were the higher seeds in some of those games. So, and I think that's where Michigan is with it. I don't know if, not, I hate to say it, but I think winning the national championship going to the Final Four is more important to those guys than winning the Big Ten, and they recruit to that. So, and that could be also just the pro style of Juwan, recruiting more pro style or whatnot, what have you, but. I like with especially with Hunter being able to shoot and now he's being able to make decisions out of double teams. Mm-hmm. Michigan, they'll be right there again. They'll be right there. And now, um, now he got to back up all that talk. He had a lot of had a lot of talk to at the NCAA. He time. always runs his mouth. Oh, I, I don't, don't, I I don't mind it. I don't mind Me either. I loved it. I saved all the tweets. I saved them. <laughs> I screenshotted them. So this year, baby, you got to back them up. <laughs> all those, hey, all those old school dudes. On Twitter, they were going at him, especially yep. with some of them celebrations that he, he was doing at Mackey or no, I was when they played there at Michigan. Yep. Yep. He, was doing those, like he was doing those celebrations and people were <laughs> pissed. Oh, that's funny, bro. Well, I was like, huh? Yeah, go ahead. No, you was like, What? I'm, I was just, we're going to go off on another tangent when I say this, but I think some of the kids coming into Purdue kind of have that same mentality. And I and I like that. I like no, that. I like it. I like I like Fletcher has that. Yeah. Fletcher has it. Fletcher got some shit to him. Braden. Like, if I Braden got some shit to him. Miles Coleman ain't scared to talk to nobody. And then I like Gibbs. I've been watching Gibbs play. And that's a couple years out now, but mm-hmm. that type of swag, I just hope I hope he gets to Purdue. I hope he goes to Purdue. Because he got some yeah. type of bounce, some type of – I think that will be – Carson came in with a lot of swag, a whole bunch of it. But I don't know if a guard has come in with this type, this much, ever. So. so, I'm um I'm really excited for him. He plays for same program. I, I mean, Caleb, I play for a lot of guys that come through play for. So, I've got to see him close up. So, that's – um Man, he got a lot of swag. His athleticism and the way he can control his body in the air and shoot the ball, and he gonna talk to you. He gonna play D. Payne, Payne has done a really, really good job recruiting. Mm-hmm. I look at my class because I like that image you posted. Mm-hmm. The class two thousand, I was two thousand twelve, so two thousand eleven and two thousand thirteen. Everybody in the class transferred out, both classes. And everybody in my class, we had five. Everybody in my class left except me and me and AJ. So mm-hmm. there was a three-year period where recruiting just wasn't it. And now it's unbelievable what Payne's been able to do. It's, think, it's really unbelievable. I think you can tell with some of the guys he's bringing in um, that, I mean, you see the types of players that they look like they're going to – that they look like Payne wants them to be. So Fletcher, yep. he wants him to be in like that that Klein type role. Um, yep. Back in back in those years that you mentioned, I 
when I had him on the podcast, he kind of talked about that. He was like, I was just trying to recruit like athletes and guys that got, he was trying to change things after the baby boilers left. And I mean, he got back to his roots and kind of pl- it's plug and play basically each and every year. You got the exactly. same, same types of guys. Obviously some of them are different, but um, you're bringing in guys that have more or less the same, same skill set. The system. Yeah. I think he's got the system to where he's getting the players to match the system. My couple, a couple years we were bad, we had the system. We mm. have good enough <laughs> players to fit that goddamn system. <laughs> but then, I mean, and then you bring in guys like Carson, Jaden, hopefully Gibbs and, and Miles Colvin, that it's not going to matter what system they're in. They're going to succeed. Right. They're just special. Like the exact the system is for the system is for some structure, but then you got the once in the Purdue generation talents that have come through that you just let go. And then I think think if each class or every two classes gets one of those guys, you're in business for a long time. And I think that's where paint is headed and Purdue recruiting is headed. I don't think there's a guy, especially in state, that once they get their hands on, they can't get. So mm-hmm. I'm excited for what I'm excited for Purdue, man. I'm excited. I hope Payne can get to another Elite Eight Final Four, get him a lifetime deal so he can't go nowhere. But no, nah, I'm, I'm I'm looking forward to this season, though. That'd be good news for Purdue fans. Uh, but everybody out there, I hope you guys enjoyed it. Dub and I can get going on random stuff sometimes, man. But everybody tuned in to Talking Hoops with Rayfield Davis. With Dub, I appreciate you listening. Make sure you check us out every single week. Check us out for clips. Check out our YouTube, the Rayfield Davis basketball YouTube, and everything we posted there. Have a good one.